calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover. And you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello and welcome to another episode of the IGN UK podcast. I'm that was too happy. That's not like me. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, can you hear the scratches, the grunts, the the shouts from outside the door? Yes, he's back. The wolf at the door, Matt Perslow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but I enjoyed it. That's great. Oh. <laughs> Joining us this week, the man. Puts the heart in Hertfordshire. Oh, I wondered what it's Joe Scrabbles. I wondered what um, <laughs> what of my many hailings you were going to go for. You could have had Canada, Australia, Latvia, but no, I one of the home one of the home counties. <laughs> That's what I went on. for Britain. I went. I went. I just thought, let's keep it. I local went for today. Britain. That's all we. That's yeah, all exactly. good. Englishmen went- should. <laughs> Maybe another week you'll get a different uh, intro. We'll find so, out. So wait, but, uh, so Matt's the wolf at the door. Am I just the yeah. heart? The heart. You're just the heart, the beating heart of Hertfordshire that you're just covered in blood and pumping. Yeah. <laughs> I messaged this, I messaged you this last week, but I was absolutely furious last week when you were coming up with superhero names for where you come from. And for Enfield, no one said the poltergeist for you. That's the coolest one you could be. Like an invisible screaming I'll... ectoplasmic mass. That's what you want to be. Yeah, I mean, that's what I am normally, so exactly. I thought I'd go sign out the norm. Oh, I <laughs> see. Um, like a, a rifle. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a busman's holiday. <laughs> exactly. I'm always wailing in the ether. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, should we talk about some games? Yes. And a film? Yeah, why don't we do that? Uh, it Takes Two is out today, and... Me and Joe have played a bit of it. I've played less than you, I think, because you won't play with me very often, which is quite heartbreaking. I do play with you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's oh, all no. coming out now. Oh, dear. Um, i played about three hours. I think I've done, like, the first three chapters of the game. I don't know how much... Well, you've done... done so you've done three and a half of the chapters because the third chapter is Ooh. massive for no reason that I understand. Um, okay. But I'm now... I've just finished chapter four, 
which okay. is basically five chapters worth of stuff at its regular pace, if that makes sense. So um, about about halfway. I think it's I've seen it's like a ten to twelve hour game, roughly. Yeah, it's it's big it's, for what it is, which I which yeah, I really it's much like. Longer than I thought. Well, also probably at out. this point, point out that if anybody doesn't know what it takes to well, exactly, is, yeah. the reason why you've only been able to play three hours is because you have to play it with another person, right? Mm. Exactly. It's a co-op game. If you don't know what it is, it's from Hazelight Studio and. Uh, Joseph Farris, who of course started with Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, one of one that, of the better games I've played. Yeah, it's just uh, one of the best games ever. Yeah, it's brilliant and uh, heartbreaking. Uh, then moved on to A Way Out, which, to be fair, I think a lot of people really enjoyed. I wasn't as hot on it. Mm. I found I've it played half of it and quite enjoyed it. <laughs> but yeah. I, it's one I, of those things that doing it couch co-op with a mate... You just ribbon each mm-hmm. other all the way through, and that, I think, makes that game what mm-hmm. it is. I think the first half of that game, when you're actually in prison and doing the prison escape, is the best part mm-hmm. of it. Um kind of wish the whole game was that, to be honest. But that's another co-op-only game. Um But it kind of... I remember in the build-up to A Way Out, there was kind of these promises... Well, promises, you know. All the previews were, like, saying, you won't do the same thing twice. Every, like, there's a new game mechanic every five minutes. And that never really came into fruition, I think, in that game. I I did do a lot of things again and again. The thing with It Takes Two is it's constantly just innovating. And every five minutes you are doing something new. And it's quite often either fun or funny. And I'm having a fantastic time with it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the easiest way for... for from our perspective to describe it takes two is what if a way out wasn't boring um it's like it's it's a game that just it's so interested in it or its primary motivation is being different over and over mm-hmm. again to the point where it's not just each chapter gives you unique mechanics that you'll only ever use in that chapter and often those mechanics are unique to the person you're playing so i'm playing as one character with cardi and another character with my girlfriend and those two experiences are fundamentally different. You're doing the same paths, but the way you play is is very different um, in most yeah. examples. And the thing about it is, even within chapters, it's like, well, we'll give you this one thing for this one puzzle. And you'll be like, wow, someone had to build all of this just to do this once. And I guess as a game developer, it's possibly quite annoying. But as a player, it's just like, it just constantly leaves you open to the idea of, holy shit, this, something else could happen at any one time, and it just shifts genre mm-hmm. constantly. Um, it's great. Yeah. It's kind of... I think it's an overused term people use, but it definitely has that Pixar essence to it, which is... like I, I think a lot of people, whenever they see anything that's for adults and kids, funny and sad, they say, oh, it's Pixar-like. Um, this genuinely is, I think, and this will excite you, Matt, I think. It's the closest I've come to playing a Toy Story game. Yay! actual licensed toy story characters mm-hmm. like it's got loads of fun i won't ruin any of the characters you meet along the way because they're often weird and have great voices i will say this isn't a, this is a minor no it's not a spoiler at all but it's very relevant to our podcast there is one character you meet who does have a conker shell as a hat <laughs> yeah i love the idea that you'd think that's a spoiler that's how much we love Look, conkers some people, now. <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's a big big event when i saw that guy yeah. um so of the things but, that you've said so far, I think the thing that strikes out to me is this idea of it swapping genres. It's obviously a sort of, I guess, a puzzle game at its heart, but it, it mm-hmm. explores that in different ways. Without telling me what the mechanics are, because obviously they're spoilers, could you tell yeah. me sort of like what areas it's dipping into? I want to know what yeah. rough genres we're exploring. I mean, it's largely puzzle platforming, and 
but it also does bring shooter elements in. It brings some action in. There, it, there are so beyond where Cardi's got to, there are some wilder shifts as well. Like there's some stuff where it's it's actively aping other games as mm-hmm. well. Not not in a parodic way. It's not kind of being like I'm FIFA. <laughs> uh, it's like it's it, it, it's just taking other established genres and and even like the visual hallmarks of them to a certain extent and starts messing with that and the the stuff i'm the stuff i'm really liking as well is it will occasionally and i don't feel like a way i think a way out did those sections where you were literally swapping character on screen so it was like mm-hmm. one guy's running i've never had a moment where it drops your control so that one player can do something what i have yeah. had and this is obviously something that's very much my kind of thing, and maybe a lot of other people won't care as much. There are some bits that really remind me of good Wii U games in here, where <laughs> the two people are doing fundamentally different things that are complicated by the other person or aided by the other person. So it's almost like dual-screen gaming to some extent. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm like I'm not going to give away what those things are because... Uh, kind of like uh, this this is another cliche kind of like mario it's almost a spoiler to give away what the mechanics you're gonna find are yeah um but there but there are real moments of again like mario where you're just like holy shit i'd play a game of this i would play like yeah. this thing for six hours um yeah. and it's done in and 10, you're getting like, 10 minutes exactly you're getting 10 hours of this as well roughly is what i've heard and you're arguably getting 20 because it is genuinely different to play each mm. character. It's not like you're both doing the same thing, but on different sides of a map. Like, you have fundamentally different mechanics. Like, I don't, I, one, like I, very like very early on, the first like level, like yeah. one person has a hammer they can hit things with, the other person has a nail they can throw a bit like... Um, like it basically it's a bit like Kratos' axe in yeah. God of War. You can throw it and return it. Like So, like, playing through that, like, I don't know what it's like to wield the hammer. But Joe does. So I can play again, which I probably will do this weekend with more than one person, just mm. play through as the different character and, yeah, get a completely new game. And the other joy to it is, like, I think more than three times now there's been, like, an item in the world I've seen or, like, a cutscene will start. And I'm like, am I going to get to do this? And I actually get to do it. It's not just, like, a cutscene. Like, you actually, like... I, I kind of half joke, but like when we're playing with Joe's like are we gonna like imagine if we do this and then you actually do it and you're yeah. like yes this is the best thing exactly yeah. <laughs> um there's some there's some cool so there, I think the biggest criticism I've seen because this game is getting uh, like a, I think Metacritic is now the highest rated game of the year um mm-hmm. like it's getting amazing reviews but the the one criticism I keep seeing is that people don't like the story um which is about a couple who are on the verge of divorce their child seemingly wishes that they'd get back together and they're transformed into dolls in like twisted not twisted but sort of altered versions of their own house um and so that's how you get from environment to environment you know there's like the kid's bedroom is like a weird play world and you know uh, and like the garden is this like hyper extended fantasy world of a giant tree and stuff um some people really don't get on with that story i'm quite enjoying it and i think it's also it's kind of a portal for some like weirdly dark humor like it comes across like a kid's film there's some stuff in here that feels like really quite odd and genuinely there was a sequence yesterday where me and anna were playing and 
she was going i don't like this like this is genuinely too horrible what we're doing um and it is really grim in places uh for like comedic effect it's not trying to be gritty it's not gears of war or some shit but it's like <laughs> it, it, there are moments where you're like they are going full on on this and it so it gives you that that sense of surprise i see why people maybe aren't into the wish fulfillment divorce stuff and i know that's going to touch mm. some people more than others uh, in ways you know maybe they find sensitive i personally haven't had a problem with it it's a bit hack but it's a really good yeah it's a really good framing narrative as far as i I'm concerned. I don't know where it's gonna go i could guess but mm. you know i i wouldn't have guessed where brothers was gonna go in the end yeah. if you haven't played brothers and play brothers um, in terms it's of all, its but, emotional delivery because obviously farah's yeah. is when i think of him as i guess as like a video game or tour for example mm. He's always, he never really speaks about gameplay. He, he quite often he's talking about mm. sort of like the emotional impact mm. and the value of his storytelling. How are you, like, is it a touching story or is it just kind of like gently comedic? It's hard to tell because it's I not, do think yeah. all the voice acting, no, the voice acting is very good. I will say, especially mm. when, um, the parents are in the form you play them as, like the toy form. I will say it opens on like not the best way, like with the cutscenes of the actual family and, the character models do look quite terrifying yeah especially it's, as a child she's a scary child it's an amazingly <laughs> like in in the bulk it's an amazingly good looking game considering the size of the yeah. studio um like some of the shots are stunning um but yeah the the human character models the animation isn't quite that you know they they just don't have the the the, yeah. the manpower to do that but um yeah, the thing I, I think me and Cardi were talking about, one thing I really like about it, and I don't think you find this in many games, there are sequences where the characters are talking over one another and, like, having dual dialogue that's, mm -hmm. that dips in, and it feels like two people have been in a room recording dialogue together and improvised and had conversations. And, and so you get this sense of... And this kind of does feed into that Ferris narrative first thing. It feels like they got the... Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like they got the conversations first and mapped that into the game rather than forced actors to do stuff specifically for scenes with stilted shots. And it, it feels like there's some reactivity there. And so it feels a lot more natural. Like there's some really, I'm not, it's not like the greatest writing in the world, but it feels very natural. Yeah. And I think that's I've, unusual no for games. I, at no points have I gone, this is badly writing or laughed at the right. Like it's, it's solid at, at, at worst. And, yeah, I feel like the one downside is the fact you do have to play it with someone else and you always have to have someone else to play with. You can play it local co-op, so it's always split 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 screen, split screen uh, whether you're online or local. But mm. obviously if you have two controllers, play it local with someone if you can. Um or you can play it online. It has the same system that a way out has, so it has the friend pass system. So only one of the two people needs to own the game. And the other person just needs to download the friend pass version from the Xbox store or the PSN store. Um, and yeah, so basically you could just, if you have a friend you want to play this with, just pay half of it each, pay like 20 pounds or whatever, 25 pounds. I don't know how much the game actually is to be fair. Um, but pay half of that and you can enjoy a lovely game together twice even if you yeah. want. So, some, also some people some really Easter eggs as well. Oh, they really are. Yeah. Um, yeah. the, uh, some people really don't like the talking book character, Dr. Hakim. I think I he's like really him. funny. Um, but yeah. yeah. 
it is one of those where uh, it's it's on the verge of a stereotypical character and you have to check who voiced this character (laughs) i'm yet to do it but i've been enjoying his work so far Uh, he also very one thing i love thinking about as he's on screen is he's a he's got some bizarre mannerisms and he's like flailing around thrusting his book (laughs) hips and all sorts of stuff and I know because he told me that Joseph Farris did all the motion capture for that, and I'm really happy imagining him having to do that in a weird onesie. It's great. Yeah, I'm just I'm just happy to enjoy Joseph Farris's work again because he is like he is like no one else in the games industry. I think he is a large and life character. And as I said, like a way out, I was just a bit like, I want to love it, but I just don't. And um, he's back to form for me, and I'm really enjoying that. And do you know what? I would probably say it's my favorite game i've played this year not that that many games have actually come out this year yet but Mm. uh i'm only three hours in but i I can't wait to play more of it and yeah highly recommended literally to anyone Mm. how was um because how is so i think it's actually surprisingly challenging at times it's not a simple game like it's not a kid kids can play it but it's not it's not like simple like i was just wondering because obviously anna's not overly experienced no. in games how is she finding it so we've definitely had some some challenging stuff i think the platforming's the toughest things so when it whenever it dips into another genre it tends to be a very simple version of that genre and i think that mm-hmm. that's quite easily gripped but yeah. i think the platforming is the biggest skill you need particularly per- like depth perception and camera control because it does a lot of messing around with perspective and and where you're going to jump and where you need to like timings on those jumps so we've definitely it's definitely been quite slow going in places getting past that but I think the platforming in and of itself is very, very finely tuned. So it's, it's, um, for a comparison, Anna started playing Little Nightmares and just stopped because that game's platforming is quite indistinct. And even as a, mm. a good platforming player, you can get through it and you can be like, well, this just feels weird. I don't know what I'm getting wrong. Whereas in this, I don't think we've ever got to a point where Anna's been frustrated at it because she's yeah. like, oh, I know I can do this because I have full control and I know how I'm going to move. So, so yeah, it, it's challenging, but it's definitely not. Uh, no, it's definitely not forbidding in that and way. It's very kindly checkpointed as well, and yeah. you only actually start from a checkpoint if both of you die as well. Yeah. So if one person dies, you respawn within a few seconds. So it's not. Yeah, I would. It's definitely added to the list of people whenever they ask, like, "Oh, what's a good game to start playing with someone who uh, is getting into games?" I definitely add it to that list because you'll, if anything, you'll just learn a lot of different genres within one game. Yeah. So here's also yeah. here's an interesting philosophical question. I saw, I think it was the gamer <laughs> called it the best co-op game since Portal Two, which Ooh. is which is big. Yeah. But also, it's a small field. Like, what do you think are the best co-op games? Because well, I, I definitely you, think this is amazing. But yeah. do you count a game like Overwatch as a co-op game? Uh, I no. think I'm. I think I'm thinking more about like co-op, uh, maybe or co-op, like narra- maybe that- co-op narrative yeah. rather than co-op. Okay, shooting. Um, I suppose what else we got? We've got a way out, which I like, know people like. I, I think you know. could say like uh, Super Mario 3D World does some of yeah. that. Like some of the more recent Nintendo games definitely embrace it a bit more. I'm this, a fan I of ha- Trine, which has oh, a, I like Trine. Yeah. I played a bit of Trine. This definitely feels triny in a lot of places, mm-hmm. actually. Di- Diablo three does that count? Like it's, it, it's a I think co-op. Yeah, I think there's none yeah. of that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I just thought I th- Port- Portal two was like 2011. Portal two, yeah, roughly. like ten, See, that ten long years. Twenty eleven, yeah. I was on an internship when it came out. Well, what about nice. Matt? Do you include Divinity Original Sin two as a co-op? I, game? I do. I don't actually enjoy it in co-op though. 
Um, like oh. if I'm playing, so you didn't enjoy any other time we spent. Playing. I, d- I did, <laughs> I did enjoy playing Brilliant. with you, but I would <laughs> never advise someone necessarily to play Divinity mm-hmm. first go round necessarily as co-op. And I think because we dipped in and out of it, you got the main narrative beats on your own, which I think is how it's best. Like you want to spend time with those characters and not feel like you're holding up another person. But I think if it's yeah. like your second time through, then you do get a lot out of it. I quite like D- Divinity is fun for actually just doing D&D in it where you make your own yeah. um, storylines and stuff like that <laughs> but um, I think a big RPG is nice to experience yeah. on your own their right? favourite co-op games uh, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com what are the, the best co-op experiences you've had I've got I've got a little short list of a few others I've, I've got here what do you think of these ones guys people liked Overcooked I'm not a massive fan of Overcooked but a lot of people definitely enjoy it I, I wouldn't say it's I would say It Takes Two is better than yeah, Overcooked uh, um, what about Monster Hunter World, Joe? Do you count that as a co-op game? Yeah, but it's a different thing. Like, it's a game built around solo play yeah. with people. I don't think. Yeah. Here's one I know that you will have to think hard about: Sea of Thieves. Oh, <laughs> see, I think I think Sea of Thieves is like it actually it it shares a similar vibe with it. Takes two, where it's all about cooperation by doing different things which i think is a a very specifically interesting idea um yep i want oh i don't know i love sea of thieves at the moment i'm really (laughs) into it i can't i can't decide i can't decide it's a different experience it's similar to like destiny isn't it that's a single player game but also a co-op game yeah and valheim similar thing people big into mm. valheim I yeah I, th- I guess the co-op yeah i guess an easy way of putting co-op game is like is it contingent on playing with other people yeah, exactly um, like you can literally not play this game by yourself there will be videos of people playing with two controllers one in each hand and being mad at it i'm sure but yeah. uh yeah anyway it's, yeah, it's, your favorite it's, co-op games. it takes two I, honestly i can't recommend it enough like it's gonna yeah. I, I really feel like it's gonna be up there with my favorite games of the year um, Absolutely, I think it's I'm, it's quite easy for this to be ignored, and I think co-op games obviously often make that a little more of an investment. But uh, honestly, if you have if you're interested at all in what we've said, go and look it up. I I think you'll like yeah. it. I'm very pleasantly surprised. I'm very happy. Uh, Joe, so I know you're. We we briefly mentioned Monster Hunter mm. as a co-op game. There's a new Monster Hunter in town. Yeah, baby. On the Nintendo Switch of all consoles. Who would have thought it? Monster Hunter. Back on a Nintendo handheld. Or back, was this the first time? Oh, no, no it's, it's been, yeah, time. it's been on no, handhelds. Yeah. It started as a handheld, didn't it? Uh, well, it started, well, it's, uh, it's a long and yeah, story. It's a long history. story. It was on PlayStation as a game, and then it became Nintendo handheld for a long time. Yep. Then it came off, and now it's back. Uh, it's, is it better than ever? It's brilliant. <laughs> um, I, I struggle, I, I struggle with the idea. I think Eurogamer Martin Robinson, who is amazing at talking about Monster Hunter, and I love reading his stuff on it. He he thinks this is the best Monster Hunter's ever been. I definitely am some of the way towards thinking that, but I don't I don't know whether it quite outstrips World for like the wonder of it. Tom in Tom Marks in our review put it quite well, which is like this feels like more of an advancement on the Nintendo handheld ones using World's good ideas rather than a sequel to World. And I do wonder if they're going to go in two directions now because World is like, it's a big showy version of Monster Hunter, whereas this is quite focused. And so Rise is basically, 
to me, it's the Monster Hunter game that is the most interested in just keeping you fighting all the time. It strips out loads of dead weight. It makes it way easier to track the monsters, to get to them, faster to get to them. The fights, particularly in single player, are a little bit shorter, and you kind of rinse through how many monsters mm-hmm. you go through. If you, uh, This is going to be incomprehensible to anyone who hasn't heard me talk about Monster Hunter, but I mm-hmm. think it would be very boring for me to do it. But basically, it's a game where you use one of 14 weapons to kill giant dinosaur-like monsters, uh, and it's the, the best action game system ever made, as Ooh. far as I'm concerned. Um, but it's just... Rise is just so good. Like, it just <laughs> makes it... It makes it so easy to play, and I, I really, I'm, I actually haven't played it handheld at all. But the feeling, the Switch is literally the perfect Monster Hunter system because the idea is, mm-hmm. especially in a world where commutes will exist again, um, just having those twenty-minute ones where you're like, I'm just going to go and farm. I'll just, I'll, I'll stick it out on my little console and play it on the train or whatever, and then coming home and being like, right, now I'm tooled up. I've got my armor that I need to beat this monster, I'm going to put that on and I'm going to go and have a 40-minute fight with three other people against this giant fucker. That's going to be so good. Um, it's just, And yeah, it's... And it looks amazing for a Switch game. Like, it's the, mm-hmm. the environments aren't great, but in terms of, like, the looks of armor, the looks of weapons, the animations, the monsters... I think there's, like, 30 monsters in it and they've all got, like, dozens and dozens of different animations and attacks and stuff and they're just it feels really living and breathing and one thing i haven't heard people talk about which is super exciting to me is they now give you a camera and you can take pictures of the monsters and then use those pictures as like their encyclopedia entries so it gives it this whole and you're not rewarded for it it's just if you want to do it and I am obsessed with getting, like, great nature photography of all of these horrible <laughs> monsters trying to kill me. It's brilliant. Become oh, it's Pokemon Snap it. for monsters. Yeah, it's, exactly. They have stuck a Pokemon Snap system in here. I love it. Um, yeah, I just... I think it's so good. I think... Yeah, because one... I played quite... I think I played, like, a good 15 to 20 hours of Monster Hunter mm. World, and I did enjoy it, but... Monster Hunter World, Monster Hunter in general is one of those series I think it's quite a hard nut to crack mm. for someone coming new to the series. I've heard differing opinions on this. I've heard some people say this, that Monster Hunter Rise is a great place to start, similar to what a lot of people said about Monster Hunter World. But then I've seen a lot of people say it's old school in a lot of ways as well, and actually, if you're not familiar with older Monster Hunters, it will be quite hard to get into. I think that there's, there's two different, there's two kind of warring things here, which is World did a lot of showing not telling so monster hunter's always done tutorials quite badly often in very long text heavy sections where you're just like blinded by stats and terms and like what the fuck does any of this mean and really it's always been about go and do a few hunts and do it with someone else who know like i got into monster hunter because a friend who like monster hunter taught me who was himself taught by someone else like it goes there's a chain of people who have taught people how to hunt basically um and world did a little better than most by throwing you into a tutorial where you actually did something like you were in a mission. Uh, Rise just completely ignores that. And I think it does suffer a little bit for it. But it also has, because of the speed of which it wants you to start taking on bigger hunts and like go and do stuff, I think you do get the hang of it a little quicker because you're just you're just forced to like you'd either stop or you'd carry on um i will say that um jesse was playing as well and one thing i did not realize is that the game does not make at all clear to you that so it has two separate sets of quests one for single player one for multiplayer but you can play the multiplayer ones alone 
but they are four <laughs> times as hard because they're designed for four people. Yeah. Jesse did not realize this and was like, this game is so fucking tough, Joe. I don't understand how anyone plays it. <laughs> or like, just to check which set of quests are you doing. And the game does not make a good enough attempt to tell you that like, go yeah. here for the stuff you do alone. Uh, so, so it does, it still has those problems. Uh, frankly, I do wonder if they're ever going to really get over them. But if you can mm-hmm. find someone who knows it or you, like Arex on Twitter, uh, on well, he is on Twitter, but on YouTube is is very good for tutorials on Monster Hunter and does them for every new game. So if if you're interested, like those are good places to go to to get a sense of it. And also, like every weapon comes with its own quirks and differences and stuff. And people make amazing tutorials about like how to play this one weapon to a good standard. And I would I'd urge you to go and like just pick one weapon you like and and learn that one thing and and see how it works yeah are they still all the classic are they the weapons from the classic games basically yeah because i was a gunlance guy so oh wow i've never met a gunlance main Um, (laughs) but yeah they so yeah it's got the 14 weapons they're all tweaked a little bit i think the insect glaive which is the most recent and weirdest weapon has been tweaked quite a lot um because it was fucking strange. Uh, if you don't know, it's a big glaive that lets you jump around, but also you have an insect on your arm that sucks juices out of different bits of monsters for stat buffs. Don't know why. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they've, they've tweaked quite a few things, but it's the, the basic categories are all still there. Um, I think I'd go sword, because I made the mistake of going bow and arrow when I played world, and I felt redundant a lot of the time. Bow is very... <laughs> I just wanted to get in there. Yeah, bow is a, very a sword. Su- supporty. Um, yeah. So I, I use... In single player, I mainly use Charge Blade, which is like a sword and shield that also turns into an axe, because why not? Um, But in multiplayer, I use Heavy Bow Gun, which is essentially a machine gun, and uh, the Hunting Horn, which is a giant bagpipe that turns into a mallet. It's great. Uh, It's just the coolest. Similar. (laughs) Yeah. I, I might give it a go eventually. I just don't think I'm in a monster hunter zone right now, so I think you have to be in the in the right mood to play the game. And that is, like you said, definitely a commute. Or like, if I had a good flight to actually just sit there and read it all and get into it, then I think it'd be perfect. I've heard a lot of people similar to your thing about best co-op games. I've seen some people say this is the best Switch game since Zelda. Yeah, since Breath of the Wild. I think. I mean, I, I naturally am. Um, I feel that way because well, so before Zelda, my favorite game of all time was Monster Hunter Four on 3DS. So it's it's a pretty you know, and it's not that different. Um, I definitely think it's up there. Also, like the what this presage is. So this uses the RE engine, which is the Resident mm-hmm. Evil engine, which yeah, which Capcom <laughs> uses on in all its stuff now, um, or all its all its major stuff, and what it suggests about what they can get out of that engine, like. You could easily see good quality Resident Evil games coming out on Switch. Um, and I think, you know, the optimization they can do there, like, it loads like an SSDs behind it. Uh, it it's, and I know the cartridges can help with that, but I'm on a, I'm on a digital download and it's mm-hmm. like, you're moving around this place with almost no loading times a lot of the time. It's fucking amazing. They're really, it's really special. Um, it's cool. Okay. Some farer and hearty recommendations. Oh so god, far yeah. for games. It's good to. It's just good to have games coming out because it feels like the first three months this year. There's not been a lot, uh, especially good ones. So there we go. Two great games on different ends of the spectrum. There, a film, Matt. Next that yeah. you've seen that is actually out. Is it out in America? Or it's coming very soon Today. in America. Today, Today is out in America. But 
I believe it's not out actually in the UK till right June. I think it's the 11th of June that we get it. And obviously wow. there's a, you know, cinema releases and all that. I, I didn't realise there were actually cinemas open in America because I thought that they were doing far worse with Corona <laughs> than we were. Yeah. But So you've seen Black Widow. Uh, I'm no, sorry, no. I'm not talking about the highly no, anticipated no MCU. Black Widow. Uh, I am um, in fact w- talking about nobody. <laughs> Not as in the film Nobody, not Nobody at all. This is like when we talked about the town where. (laughs) Yeah. There's Nobody and Where. Can I go see the film Nobody and Where? I'm going to see Nobody and Where. That's good. Um, What what is Nobody, Matt? Uh, Nobody is a kind of action thriller film starring Mr. Bob Odenkirk, uh, who we all know as uh, Saul from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Um, and, uh, he's kind of gone a bit John Wick, which is no surprise considering it is written by Derek Colstead, who wrote John Wick. <laughs> um, and so it's, as the title sort of suggests, the setup is he is a bit of a nobody and it does the opening kind of stretch of this film does a lot of good job of him. He's just a dude who just works in an office, like takes the bus to work and it does imagine like a Rocky montage, but it's all like, putting out the bins but forgetting to put it out and then you're having to chase the bin like, lorry down the road like start a fight club in a way yeah the, yeah uh, to yeah, a degree yeah there's there's kind of that like he leads the most boring life that you could possibly do and kind of like he's married and got a kid but like the kids in sort of like <coughs> teenage years so a bit disrespectful to dad and why would you be respectful of dad because he's just a nobody um <laughs> and because I, he's your dad well you know <laughs> When you get to teenage years, you get a little bit rebellious, don't you? But I think oh. that kind of opening stretch does a real... Like, I've never seen like the hero of a movie take the bus. And I kind of liked it, <laughs> of this idea of... You know, it was showing just a very normal person. And it mm-hmm. sets up a film that, unfortunately, I don't think runs out the way I'd hoped. Um, because that start is very much uh, the American dream actually is a bit shit. Like, we've all got Mm -hmm. of these ideas of where life could take us. And gradually, as things go on, because the whole idea is, like, his house gets robbed. And so Mm -hmm. the action elements come into him sort of, like, taking revenge on the people that broke his house. And it's that sort of... It's kind of like... like, Taken. Like Taken, a bit like the... You know how kind of, like, the Michael... John Wick. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is written (laughs) by the same guy, and it is, like, one bad thing happens to you, and a good guy snaps. Obviously... John Wick has the history of he's one of the best assassins in the country. That um, does help. Yeah, the, there's obviously the nobody aspect of of this film is a case of that he's not John Wick. There's more to the story than than just that, but um, he's not a prize fighter like like John Wick <laughs> is. But it does some interesting stuff really on in the film that suggests kind of like maybe he's in the wrong, and there's kind of like there's more go the people that he's taking revenge against there's kind of elements of that where you find things out it's like maybe maybe he's doing the wrong thing and i quite liked where Mm -hmm. it was pushing that as a case of as a as a study of america and how fucked up that country can be maybe the people that are in the wrong are actually in the wrong for the right reasons and and kind of like the people Mm -hmm. that are protecting themselves maybe aren't in the right the film then from that point turns into john wick because the latter half of it is to do with russian mobsters because apparently derek (laughs) tolster can only write about killing russian mobsters which 
write about what you know. Well, yeah. We don't know what he's gone through. Yeah, a part of that is just like, <laughs> America really can't get over the Cold War, can they? Like, they're so desperately in hatred of people from Russia. They're so terrified of communism. Not just Russia. Yeah. Not, do, you, <laughs> yeah. Do, you think, uh, do you think this is why Derek Colstead just got dropped from John Wick 4 and 5? Because he just turned in two more scripts. It's like, <laughs> the Russians are back, and the Russians are back again. <laughs> Um, one thing about this film I think a lot of people they see Bob Odenkirk as the star and they expect it to be funny is it at all a comedy? Um, yeah with it, it's not a comedy but it's certainly I think you know how a good example of this is in, in John Wick 3 there's that fantastic scene where he kills someone with a book in a library and it's kind of it's darkly comic but but you know it's quite violent but it's doing something funny it definitely in the latter end kind of like as you'd expect from a film of this like caliber like mm-hmm. the end is quite grindhousey like it's got okay. that it, it becomes very very violent there's lots of guns there's lots of like man-made improvised like detonation equipment and stuff like that and it, it does go quite kind of like grindhouse films did like they are a bit over the top and they're designed to elicit laughs as well as kind of like you know the ooh, ooh, ooh that's a bit grim um so it's got that i wouldn't like bob odenkirk he's not delivering zingers like it's not his pre-breaking bad stuff when he was actually a comedian and it's not the his character is not like saul who is that kind of like cheeky pushes his look a bit too far he's quite a upset and dour character but this is about one of my problems with it is the through line is all a bit over the place because the film opens on him with a tiny kitty cat and you're like that's quite cute but you're obviously a mean guy and it never quite like i'd always hope that that would be an interesting through line in the same way that kind of like john wick has that softness to him because it's all about the dog and like the dog is his motivations i was wondering if there was going to be that to it and it's not the cat sort of just gets forgotten about for an awful lot of the film and so i think those would have been elements that could have introduced that side of the comedy and showed a bit of his comedic chops but you don't get that so it is a bit uneven but it is fun like it's definitely a fun film it's just a bit mm. like it doesn't come together as well as i'd hoped i i i'll probably check it out um it's only 90 as, minutes like, long which is the perfect length is, for this sort that, of film that is a god that is a god yeah. send and christopher lloyd's um, in it <laughs> Like another bonus, when he's dad. Headline with that, <laughs> yeah. Christopher Lloyd's in it. Headline with that. Um, you will get to see Christopher yeah. Lloyd with a shotgun at one point. <laughs> what do we? What do we lead with that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> That's the good stuff. Um, okay, well, if you're what our lucky international listeners, you might be able to watch this now. I don't know. I don't yeah, know what and I think is. like if you're not happy with going out to a theatre, as they call them over there, I do think this is coming to like a video on demand, presumably premium, like not too long after it's out in cinemas Mm -hmm. so like it's got a weird release schedule because then we have to wait months for it but we have to wait another two months or two and a half months but yeah it sounds like it's marginally worth it so yeah it's it's a fun hour and a half it's just don't go in expecting anything like as slick or as cool as john wick and like the choreography is nowhere near as good as john wick but it's got it's got its merits do you think we're ultimately gonna they're gonna inevitably do like a universe film where john wick meets bob odenkirk and then liam neeson comes in and it's all just like (laughs) top action like angry dads yeah this definitely doesn't have like the mythology aspect of john wick but you could just imagine him sort of breaking into a building and finding bob odenkirk in there (laughs) i'd watch the film (laughs) 
angry, <laughs> just call it angry dads. It's just those three just killing loads and loads of Russian gangsters. <laughs> it's a good film. Uh, do you know what's a good game though? It's the endless search. Ooh, wow! Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah, 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 on the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got question for you. Hold up the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, on the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got question for you. Is it in the search? Joe. Yes, me. I'm doing it with help from one RG. He simply Ooh. goes by RG. Let's guess what mm. RG stands for. I'm gonna go for uh, really great guy. In brackets, uh, Rupert Grint. It's <laughs> Rupert Grint. Rupert Grint used to live around the corner from my parents, and he had a big orange Range Rover. That's a little bit of celebrity ice cream for you. Uh, no, well, this was pre-ice cream truck, I think, because uh, um, uh, you know, orange or whatever. Uh, RG writes. <laughs> Hope you are doing well. Just a quick mention to say you've kept me sane during lockdown. Can't believe it's been almost a year since I released. Oh, that really reminds. Uh, sorry uh, to interrupt. That uh, really reminds me of the. Um, <laughs> the the uh, Danny Dyer tweet about can't believe it's been ten years since those slags crashed a plane <laughs> into the twin towers. Um, can't believe it's been almost a year since I re-listened to all the available episodes to get me through furlough and out the other side. All of the IGN UK team have worked wonders for my mental health, and I'm sure I speak on behalf of a lot of people who cannot thank you enough for the constant entertainment you provide. That's very very kind of you, and thank I read you. it thank because I, th- I just I thought that was really nice and. We, mm-hmm. we we hope we've helped a bit. Yeah, and I think it helps our own just doing it. <laughs> so well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> now onto an idea I've come up with for the endless search, boys. This is one of those ones we're not going to play it again, but we're going to bloody enjoy it while we play it. And it's not because <laughs> it's bad; it's because it is so fucking niche we will never be able to replicate it. <laughs> okay. This game is called is Top of the Popes. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, Catholicism, uh, well known as my favourite subject. Nah, 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 nah. Um, yeah, I picked it just because I'm a lapsed Catholic and I've Name got the guilt. nine of the Ten Commandments. I see Go. the word Pope and I'm like, we've got to play it. The Pope's involved. Yeah. Um, right. This is RG's description. Below are five lists, each containing six actors and actresses. These six stars of the silver screen have all worked with another actor who has portrayed the Pope in either a film or TV series. Jesus Christ. Can you work out who our five Pope portrayers are from the eight, uh, from the actors and actresses associated with them? <laughs> okay. Players score six, uh, players score six points if they guess correctly on the first actor listed, five on the second, etc., etc. Uh, okay. I'm slightly changing this because I think this is a bit mad. Uh, uh, RG really? said players can be awarded a bonus 10 points if they guess correctly Ooh. the name of the Pope the actor portrayed. Oof. I think there's actually... I think there's one in here. That's too easy for 10 points. So I'm going to say th- 5 points. Because 10 points would just put you so far ahead. Um, yeah. I'm going to say 5 points. and there's So it basically means there's one like bonus ball in here where I think you'll get it, and whoever gets it gets the 5 points. Uh, okay. Okay. And they'll get the. I, I'm struggling to even. I think I can think of one, maybe two actors that have played. I've got this two. This is going to be purely on the links. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> but the 
basically the lists should get the the people towards the bottom of the list should be much much closer connected to the actors that you're guessing so okay. that's re- that's really what it's useful for the pope thing okay. is a sort of weird choice from rg that i just love okay yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of, yeah i'm into it why not let's play top of the popes uh okay <laughs> pope 1 has acted with Oscar Isaac. I mean, I'm just going to... I don't want to just say the same people over and over again. Uh, Anthony Hopkins. No. Jude Law. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> See where this is going. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Pope One has also acted with Bradley Cooper. Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> it's the same. I know, it's the only two popes also, I know. So actually, I, I don't even think this one's right. <laughs> oh, no, it is, but it's, a, I mean, that's hard. Um, so sorry, we had uh, Bradley Cooper and who was the first person? Oscar Isaac. Isaac. Oscar Isaac. Oh. Uh, I mean, move on. Pope One go. has also acted with Bill Murray. Hmm. Oh, uh, Owen Wilson, has he played the Pope? <laughs> I'd like him, I'd like him to. Willem uh, Dafoe? Gene Hackman. Willem Dafoe would know. be a good Pope. He'd be one of those bad, naughty ones from the old yeah. days. With a big Scarlett old Hansen plays the Pope. hanging dick. Uh, sorry, uh, what? Scarlett Johansson hasn't played the Pope? No. Sorry, I got okay. caught up on the idea of Willem Dafoe again. <laughs> Uh, it happens. Pope One has also acted with Jeff Bridges. Oh, Oscar Isaac, Jeff Bridges, Bill Murray. That's a, that's... The Bill Murray's the, the stickler because like, I instantly then go to Wes Anderson films and it's like, how many ensembles? Let me say, <laughs> it's not a Wes Anderson film that Bill Murray's been in and it's a film that you absolutely won't remember he's in. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was shite. (laughs) Uh, Oh, is it? Is it the monuments, man? (laughs) I'm not saying. (laughs) Who else was in that? (laughs) Matt Damon has he played the Pope? Was he? Matt Damon has not. George Clooney. George Clooney has not Uh, played the Pope. Much to my chagrin. Uh, Pope One has also acted with Rick Moranis. Oh. uh, God, what's his name? Dan Aykroyd? No. Nope. Has he played the Pope? <laughs> he definitely did on Saturday Night Live, but that's not the Pope we're looking for. <laughs> Who else is in Ghostbusters with Bill Murray? And... It's a bad Bill Murray film, so it can't be that. Go- it can't be Ghostbusters. Uh, but Rick Moranis has only been in that and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the only two films? Uh... Okay, I'm moving on. Yeah, go for it. Pope One's most notable screen partner in a non-Pope film (laughs) (laughs) is Billy Crystal. Meg Ryan? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only... Like, the most famous... uh, Billy... Oh, 
John Goodman? Oh, Jeff, John Jeff, Goodman. Jeff Goodman. John Goodman. I was John it Goodman. Came to right at the end. John Goodman's been the Pope. Can you guess which <laughs> Pope are. John Goodman's played? <laughs> Pope yes. Sully. Uh, he was in the film uh, Pope Joan in 2009. And he didn't did play, he play Pope Joan. Did not play Pope Joan. Pope Benedict. Incorrect. The 14th. He played Pope Sergius the <laughs> Second. Sergius. Yeah. That's one point to Matt. Jesus Christ. Four more of these, don't worry. Oh my lord. Pope two. <laughs> I like it. If this wasn't such a mad concept, I'd be annoyed. But I like it just because how old it is. It's good. I love it. Yeah. Pope two has acted with Helen Mirren, Jason Statham, who? <laughs> uh, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins is correct. Yeah, <laughs> he's played. The, he's played the odds. He's the only. I, he's one of the two I can remember. Who did Anthony Hopkins play? Oh, I don't know. It was in that Netflix thing. The two popes. Uh, Pope, Matt, you can Pope steal. Julian. Uh, no, Benedict. Which Benedict? <laughs> oh, the it was second. Sixteen. Fourteen. <laughs> oh. Sorry, boys. Okay, Cardi's gone in big with the Hopkins. Oh, Hopkins yeah. is also... Was... Oh, yeah, I should... Sorry, for John Goodman, I should have said. He acted with Oscar Isaac in Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, mm. Is it Lewin? It is Lewin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bradley Cooper in 10 Cloverfield Lane, where Bradley Cooper was the voice yeah. on the phone. The voice on the phone, Which yeah. is not... I thought that was unfair. Uh, B- yeah. Bill Murray in Monuments Men. <laughs> God, that was shite. Jeff Bridges in The Big Lebowski, Rick Moranis in The Flintstones, and Billy Crystal in The Flintstones. Do you know the annoying thing is I had Big Lebowski, Monuments Men, and Lewin Davis all mm. in my head, but I just didn't put John Goodman together. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins, Helen Mirren and Hitchcock, which I'd forgotten about. Yeah. Uh, Benicio Del Toro in The Wolfman, Antonio Banderas in The Mask of Zorro, Mark Wahlberg in Transformers The Last Night, Chris <laughs> Hemsworth in Thor Ragnarok, and Jodie Foster in The Silence of the Lambs. There we go. Pope Three. Pope three has acted with Forrest Whitaker, James McAvoy, Mm-mm. Jude Law. Just saying the old ones we know. <laughs> James McAvoy, Ooh, who was in um, was in, with Anthony Hong, Jonathan Price, not Jonathan Is Price. It... <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think of other Forrest Whitaker. Uh, Martin Sheen. No. Uh, Would um, love to. Martin Sheen would bring a real gravitas to the Pope, I think. Yeah. Horace Whitaker. Uh, Jared Leto. (laughs) He played the Pope. He definitely will. (laughs) Sex Pope. Uh, Sex Pope. Pope 3 has also acted with Michael Fassbender. Who hasn't, though, again? Whitaker and Fass. The duo. Could be any one of the X Men that. Still could be James McAvoy. It isn't fucking James McAvoy. <laughs> uh, um, Ian McKellen. No. Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Think of old men. <laughs> I don't know. He is also... Nicholas Holt. No. <laughs> he's also... <laughs> what a lovely sermon! Uh, he's also acted with Al Pacino. Uh, Robert De Niro. Mm-mm. Val Kilmer. <laughs> I don't, I'm just naming people that are in Robert. It's a perfectly reasonable way to play. Oh, uh, Robert Duvall. No. 
I can't tell whether Matt's bored or whether he's biding his <laughs> time. I'm just, I'm just in, like crawling my internal IMDb. <laughs> he has also acted Poke Three with Henry Cavill. Hmm. Russell Crowe. <laughs> Russell Crowe is the Pope. All of these just sound like mad it's the, I think that's the secret benefit of this game, is that you get to imagine all these mad Popes. <laughs> it's not Keaton, is it? It's not Keaton. Michael Keaton I'd love to Pope. see Keaton Pope. <laughs> Doing it like Beetlejuice as well, going <laughs> mad in St. Peter's. <sighs> That'd be what it was called, going mad in St. Peter's. <laughs> don't know, don't know. He has also acted with Leonardo DiCaprio. What a lineup! Pacino, DiCaprio, Whitaker, Fassbender, Pacino, Cavill, and DiCaprio. Sex appeal all over the shop in there. Tom Hardy? Not Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy is the Pope. <laughs> it's too much. That'd be too much for a lot of people, I think. Um. And on the third day, the stone <laughs> was over. <laughs> I thought it was a clue. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Your <laughs> final poping clue, Ben Affleck. They've got to be in Justice League, surely. J.K. Simmons? <laughs> no. <laughs> Again. Great Oh, pope. um... Oh. Oh. Uh, Oh god, Carly's doing a pope pope like pose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, what's his name? I I'm not gonna give the clue to that. Oh god, he wants one point. (laughs) I've got I've gone mad. Can I look? Because I know it is. Can I look? Can I search for them? (laughs) What are you gonna? You know, because you might see his pope names. I know. I know who they are. Uh, um, I've gone completely blank. Is it straight? I'm just going to give Matt the clue. Um, it's Alfred in Justice League, isn't it? What's his oh, name? Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. Okay. Well, Matt, Matt takes the uh. point. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing my head and I had to just let it out. I'll give it, I'm giving that to Matt. That's a, that's a poping point. I just, I kept saying Jeffrey in my head. It's like Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. Um, I kept having Jeffrey Rush in there. Get out of my head, Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> he appeared as the Pope in the Borgias on TV in 2011. Oh, oh. But which Pope? Well, he was obviously, um, he was Pope Francis the Twelfth. No. <laughs> Jean Paul. No, he was Pope Alexander the Sixth. You rubes. Uh, right. <laughs> Pope Five. Oh, this is a good one. Yeah, okay. Uh, Pope 5 has acted with, and I didn't know this, Kristen Stewart. Jude Law. No. <laughs> Jonathan Price. No. <laughs> right, well, now we have to play Robert the game. Robert Patterson. No. <laughs> no. Oh, has he been a Pope? That would be a nice Pope. Uh, <laughs> um... Is one of these going to be a twist and they played like Burnley goalkeeper Nick Pope in no, a TV No, they are real popes. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of Kristen Stewart films in there, I don't know. It's Taylor Lawton. <laughs> I'm moving up. What's he up to? <laughs> Kristen Stewart and Dame Judi Dench. Oh. 
that's the whole gamut, I think. That's the Rupert entire. Grint. That's the entire gamut. No, <laughs> Rupert Grint. <laughs> Didn't he do that? Was it Judy Dent? Oh no, it was Judy Waters, wasn't it? Where they had that like driving yes. test no. thing. <laughs> I thought, because Grint and Dench is a good double act name. Yeah. Because Dench was never in Harry Potter, was she? She must have been one of the only British actors to not be in Harry Potter. Yeah, she ate, she hates wizards. <laughs> She's just known for that, but she loves popes. She loves popes. Oh my god, she loves popes. <laughs> but which pope is it? Um... This pope has also acted with Matt Lucas. Oh. Is it Steve Coogan? Has he played a pope? It's not Steve Coogan. He'd be a good naughty pope as well. Capaldi? It's not Capaldi. I mean, if... Are these sorry, are these all in films, so Matt Lucas would have been in a film of these people with this person. Uh, so this far, is we? yeah, these these are all films. Okay. I believe Matt I, Lucas yeah. hasn't been in too many films. I'm pretty sure that's a film. I'm pretty sure that's a film. Yeah, it is a film. Okay. It's a TV movie. I think that's the... Okay. I think that's the thing. Let's just go James McAvoy again. No. <laughs> I just no. have a feeling he's been a Pope. Also, Christopher Lloyd. Oh. It's not it's not Bob Odenkirk, is it? Mm-mm. Um... <laughs> it's not Michael J. Fox, is it? <laughs> it's not I would love Michael J. Fox. Oh, um... Oh, what's his name? <laughs> oh, I think, he, I think he's me? got it. Oh, what's his name? This is going to be very annoying because I can't remember his name again. I'll give you 10 seconds. Crispin Glover, is it? It's not Crispin Glover. <sighs> the thing is, I know, like, I've got the best... If it is the person I think it is, I've got the best clue I could have. I just can't think of his name. Bob? <laughs> That's that is a name. Ah, oh, God, this is painful again. Let's keep keep going with the clues. Are you sure? Yeah, because because I know it. I'm just gonna think of it. I feel uh, like I would accept. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd I can't accept. even. It's not. It's not. It's not coming to my head. All right. I keep thinking of Bob Monkhouse. It's <laughs> not Bob Monkhouse. No, it's not Bob Monkhouse. <laughs> <sighs> okay, moving on. John Leguizamo. Yeah, I, I know it. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, this is so annoying. Just uh, going through the alphabet. This is this is painful. It's so painful. It's so painful. You know what? I'll take you saying. If you say the two last films and they're both correct, I'll give it to you because you clearly know the right person. Okay. Uh, what? What? The, there's Christopher what, Lloyd Roger and John Rabbit. Leguizamo. Yeah. So Roger Rabbit. And I don't know the other film. Uh, you don't know the Leguizamo film. It's not coming to my head. Oh, I'm just, no. just too locked in on his name. What does the What does the second name begin with? Can we have that? <laughs> yes, H. <laughs> This is more torture for the all. listeners. What? Yeah. I've gone completely mad. This is nuts. I'd say he's yeah. maybe the most famous Bob. No. Oh, that it's Bob more. Hopkins. It's not Bob Hopkins. <laughs> no. 
It's very close. Hoskins. It's Bob Hoskins. 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 Jesus Matt, Christ. I leave it to it you. Just wouldn't... Do you feel uh, good about taking two points for that? Take it. I couldn't. I couldn't remember it. All right. <laughs> All right. Matt is just take one. Actually, take one. That's no, I've given him two. two. Uh, it's it's six four going into the final round. Okay. Can't think of his name for the life of me. Right, you boys ready? This yep. Pope has acted with Dwayne <laughs> the Rock Johnson. Bob Monkens. <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um... Jude Law. <laughs> no. Jonathan Price. Yes. <laughs> there we yes. go. Yes. I, I was treating that as basically a rush to Jonathan Price. <laughs> yes. It is a shame that there's oh. two much more famous popes. Yeah. So that's two big full scores for Cardi based on almost no work. Yes, and <laughs> half of Matt's four points also based on very little work. I have I have no idea if that was entertaining for anyone or just thoroughly frustrating to well, listen to. RG says, I hope this proves both challenging and entertaining. And it was both, I think. One or the other. Yeah, it was definitely one or the other. Oh, do you want um, me to go through all the films? I've forgotten to go through the films. I feel like I've I don't, done this I don't badly. I don't need... I'll just say that the Matt Lucas thing was he was towed in Wind of the Willows. All right, that's what people oh, want. Oh, there we go. There we go. Christ, that was that. That's that was like me. pulling Pope's teeth. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Uh, should we do some feedback? Oh God, um, yeah. Of course. Last week we talked about the Snyder Cut, mm. uh, and we've asked for feedback. We got two emails in with people saying why they like the Snyder Cut. So I just want to point out. Here we go. I haven't seen it yet. And so the people who are either upset at the idea of me talking about it or upset at the idea of me not talking about it, it's the latter. All right? Be upset. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I'm not going to cast any judgment other than say, go. I don't want to watch it. There you go. Yeah. Wiping your hands clean there. Um, we've got one here from Jay Martin. He says, hi, guys. Uh, love the podcast and listen every Friday. The reason I enjoyed the Snyder Cut and the Snyderverse is I always looked at it as an Elseworld... Uh, as an Elseworld... I can't say Elseworld. There we go. <laughs> Just it's Elseworld pronounced comic Hoskins. Line. <laughs> Hoskins. as the Bob Hoskins universe. Um, <laughs> right. Um, I always looked at it as an Elseworld comic line that emphasised the responsibility that comes with power in the DC universe. It is different from Marvel in the sense that in DC, every character's powers are derived from a sense of responsibility almost to a fault. They often devote their entire lives to protecting their respective jurisdictions. Snyder dials that up to 11. I appreciate it for being an Elseworld with the darkest version of characters they can be, while still being heroes. Batman is violent and doesn't hold back, but only against criminals still. Wonder Woman is in every way a warrior princess, destroying her enemies but being kind to the innocent. Superman protects Earth as his home, but also because it's his obligation to ensure what happened to his planet doesn't happen here. I get it doesn't vibe with everyone, though, just like most Elseworlds. I think that's a very good uh, response, and I can understand why you like it from that. That genuinely well. makes me want to watch it more. Like That sounds, I, that sounds like an interesting experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I buy that. Like, like I really like that perspective. And also, I, re- I think the thing that Jay points out here, this idea of powers derived from a sense of responsibility almost to a fault, I think is a really interesting sort of set of motivations for a character. And obviously, that's with Batman. Like, the guy doesn't need to crusade around Gotham. Like, I, I understand his parents were brutally yeah. gunned down and, and get that. But that is interesting. And I think one of the most interesting sides of Batman is the psychology of him effectively having a breakdown through his entire life. And there's, you know, there's a bit of that to the Flash as well. I think, yeah, that's cool. I do. 
I have finished the film since we talked about it last week. I was only an hour in last week. And you know what? I enjoyed it a lot more the more I got into it. I felt like the characters definitely are more developed this time around, and I did actually care more for them, especially Cyborg. And to an extent, I ended up kind of... I still find the humour side of the Flash character annoying, mm-hmm. but I actually quite like his more... the actual character of him and the race. He gets an arc. That's the important yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I enjoyed his character, and I think him and Cyborg is quite a fun... Uh, combination. I like those two together. So I did end up liking it more than uh, my initial impressions. I'd probably still. I don't. I wouldn't say by any means. I'm not. I don't like this film. I think it's okay. Like I give it like a six out of ten, maybe, which is an improvement on like the four or five I thought the original was. But definitely, I did enjoy the characters more this time round. I like Superman, Cyborg. I do think that Wonder Woman is a good character and Aquaman doesn't have too much to do in this one but he, he has some good moments i think um i just i like ben affleck a lot i just i will never get on with this version of batman this isn't the version of batman i like but that's just as with all these things it's just personal preference yeah. but i do understand i do like that as you said matt that feeling of having the responsibility of those powers rather than yeah it's not a choice, it's like a burden as much yeah. as it is. That's, it's a cool perspective that I hadn't thought of before, and you know, kind of I think sort of like when we were talking about last time, obviously I'm not a fan of the movie all that much either, but I do like that Snyder has a vision, and he's delivered on that vision, and when you say it, I, I have read plenty of Elseworlds comics that actually do kind of do this, and mm-hmm. to be quite honest, I enjoyed them from a comic book perspective. Maybe it's that thing of the film's been presented as kind of almost like the canon version that I want them to be kind of closer with what I envision kind of canon DC to be. But yeah, this... And the other thing is, is if that's what you like, Jay, I think that's where we're going with DC in in general. Like, Joker set up a very Elseworlds-y kind of design, and I think they've even said in the marketing behind kind of like their intention for those is these individual ones that don't feel connected they are their own version of that character so i think like if that's what you like i think that's where we might be going and i think more of a close distinction of that may make those future films even more palatable mm-hmm. yeah i think that's all me like i think that is it's just the fundamental flaw i think with justice league and like apart from it's more just the lack of build-up for me that was always the problem like this Batman kind of came out of nowhere in Batman Superman. I didn't really enjoy him in that, and now he's in this. Like, I could have done with that one Batman film mm-hmm. in between or before Batman Superman that established who this Batman is and had some quieter moments because it's been mostly like he just spends most of Justice League. He does a little bit, like, you get hardly any Bruce Wayne, which I love as Batman, and he just spends a lot of time just shooting things, which isn't Batman for me, but it's the opposite of what they've done with Wonder Woman, who's had two solo movies, has a lot of like has a lot of screen time in justice league as well like she's much more built up and therefore i think just a better character in this film mm-hmm. but there we go uh, i think we've got one more justice league email yeah i've got one here from uh adam carrington porter who says hi gang love the show and thanks for the hours of entertainment you provide us all couldn't help writing in after you absolutely trashed the snyder <laughs> cut in your most recent podcast um, I completely agree that the film has some flaws, that the runtime is too long, some of the editing is dodgy, the jokes don't land, and the Joker scene isn't great, to name a few. However, I still feel the film is fun, 
as fun watching merits a 7 out of 10 at the least, especially when utter tripe like Birds of Prey already exists as a comparison point. I remember you talking about your, about the upcoming Snyder Cut in older podcasts and you were hating on it even before it released. We're, we're allowed an opinion. I, I wasn't hating on the Snyder Cut because I hadn't seen it. I was hating on the original Justice League film, which is poor. The process by which of, it came uh, to be released was my issue. Yeah, which, yeah. which if... You know, I'm happy, and I want to reinstate this and reinforce this opinion. I'm happy that people have got to see this, and I'm happy that you enjoy it. I don't want people to not enjoy this film, but if you're a cynical person, this film was brought about to help launch HBO Max and get a lot of subscribers in, and it's done the job. So there you go. Anyway carrying on with with adam's perspective because that's what we asked for um this is a true auteur's vision like the dark knight trilogy or joker and while snyder's style isn't for everybody you can't deny that the imagery is stunning and that he takes the characters and story in an unpredictable but usually comics accurate directions compare this to marvel films which are great but all feel the same stylistically almost a cookie cutter approach the snyderverse should definitely live on in some form and i'm excited to see where dc takes things next look forward to your discussions all the best adam from manchester there we go I think this one just comes down to uh, it's just taste at the end of the day, isn't it? What you prefer to what, like, I much prefer the MCU films. They're what I want. I just they just have the heart of those films that I feel like the Snyder ones don't. And obviously, a lot of people do like the the heart of the Snyder film, but it's just not my it's just not my style at the end of the day. And yeah, like I can't disagree that it's a singular vision and a tailored one and an altered vision. And do you know what? I have similar feelings, like because obviously I love Joker. I think Joker is a fantastic film. And when that came out, don't get me wrong, there was a lot, a lot of people that wanted to tell me why it's terrible and not good, basically, and why it shouldn't exist, and why Todd Phillips is a terrible filmmaker. And I know the feeling of people, you know, saying bad stuff about saying you love, and you're just like, oh, it's annoying. Like, stop saying bad things about saying I love, but. <laughs> Just don't yeah i don't know <laughs> there you go i don't know if we have i, I think we can all agree well actually we can't all agree because i've seen some people say the joker stuff is great but the joker scene is yeah, it's not good i don't like it at all <laughs> no 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 um but yeah there we go i do you know what i don't think birds of prey is utter tripe but i didn't enjoy it as much as some people i i was a little bit, no i'd say I thought that was it played that safe ground I didn't like in between. It was almost got that DC edge, but trying to also be kind of MCU at times and a little bit more formulaic. And I feel like go one way or the other, go like full heart and like superhero, like cheer or, or, you know, I, th- I think if you stick to your vision for me, the comparison, for me. the comparison point on the DCEU would be like, I think Suicide Squad is probably the worst film that they've made. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate it. I hate it so much. And it's because it's stylistically, it's all over the place from one moment mm-hmm. to the next. That is not the same film, and it feels like it was an absolute rush edit job. Um, that I think is the low point. I do think like Snyder Cut is definitely much higher up the list on the DC stuff, but for me, it's kind of like I like I really like Patty Jenkins in style, but Patty Jenkins style for Wonder Woman, I guess, is closer to the MCU than a lot of the mm-hmm. the the Justice League sort of style films. So I guess you can see where my preference lies. Exactly. I'm happy to leave that Snyder Cut chat forever now. It's firmly a 6 out of 10 film in mind. And one I maybe will watch in a few years' time. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, four hours is too long. That is, Can we all at least agree that four hours is too long? <laughs> there we go. 
Um, if you disagree with it being too long, email in. Just shut up, up Cardi. Go feedback at IGN.com. Uh, should we get on? We've got um, three pieces of feedback here that mm. aren't about the Snyder Cut. This is from CJ in Nebraska. Uh, many time emailer and always with interesting angles. We appreciate it, CJ. Hey guys, I hope y'all are doing well and staying. I had to say y'all. Did you catch how classically I, s- I pronounced y'all? <laughs> I'm doing well and staying healthy and sane. I've recently realised I am the perfect target for nostalgia marketing for video games. Every time a new mini slash retro console gets released, I end up getting excited and buying it. Even the garbage PS1 mini. I buy remasters of old RTS games and things like the Sega collection. Most recently, I bought the Blizzard Retro collection of Rock and Roll Racing and Lost Vikings and that other <laughs> game. Every time I think, oh man, I love those games. I cannot wait to play them again. Then when I play them and I end up thinking, this game sucks and regret spending the money on it. I think the only retro game I actually enjoy is Castlevania Symphony of the Night and classic platformers like Super Mario World. I'm curious if y'all get sucked in by nostalgia and what retro games you actually enjoy playing and think still hold up. Uh, and he also asks us to uphold our respect to the sea, just to make that clear. Oh, of course, of course, that'll never wane. Um, I, I have a weird thing, like, because I do honestly feel like it's weird games, because you can go back to films and TV, I think, that are like 30 years old and they'll still hold up and be amazing, whereas games, I do firmly believe that the majority of games do not hold up that well. Like, some do more, like, games from the 90s that are more not mechanic-based, so, like, adventure games like monkey island stuff they'll always work because it's just point click like the puzzles the writing the story that will hold up but we would talk about it last night briefly joe i think when we went to i might have been talking to creeper actually about it i think you were there as well at that point um talking about when we went to loading bar like a couple of years ago Mm. and they had like loads of n64s lying around and we were like oh should we play mario kart 64 we loaded up tried to play it almost unplayable like it's not I'm sure a lot of people might still enjoy playing to this day. And same with Goldeneye. Like, the original Goldeneye, they are not... I I don't find those fun to play now. I don't think they hold up. And occasionally you do have that thing of, oh, I'd love, like, an N64 Mini in my house. I think I got the any I've got the NES Mini in my house. I maybe played it for 20 minutes. Yeah, I've got the SNES SNES Mini, and I I love the thing, but it's definitely an ornament for me. Like, I, I don't have the need to go and... I mean, like... CJ brings up Super Mario World. That game fucking holds up. That is a, an absolute mm. classic. But yeah, I don't feel the need to play it all the time. Um, no. It's just one I could I like go back the, to. The 3D ones don't hold up as much. Like like the original Mario's, like anything on like a 2D plane like that, or like I said before, that's more like narrative-led will hold up. But it's that error of when we were just learning 3D, and a lot of those aren't aren't holding up, I think. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's impossible to a film obviously to some extent has an element of this but not in an intrinsic way but every game is a stepping stone to the next game like we it's a it is a technological thing it's the same as you know you can feel super nostalgic for your old uh like i feel nostalgic for my parents black and white tv they had in their bedroom but i'm not gonna go and fucking play it like watch mm-hmm. well i might watch justice league on it because that's <laughs> you know justice is gray uh but uh but you know, it's it's not something that I kind of rush to go and do again. It's just a nice thing yeah. to remember. I even with more modern stuff. Like I've recently having a urge to play GTA Four again because I only ever played it through once when it came out, and I really loved it. But I looked, I just looked at, I think it was a review or something the other day of it, and I just thought, oh, this looks so much worse than I remember, and it's just a big old grey blob for a lot of it. I know it, it's quite a grey city, but 
I would, I'd love a remaster of GTA 4. <laughs> yeah, yeah. sometimes like with remasters, though, it depends on what... Like That's why remakes, in the way that we've suddenly decided mm-hmm. that we're going to do them, are so good. Because you look at Resident Evil Remake, you get a fact that it takes all the stuff that was good about Resident Evil 2, but brings very, very modern kind of gameplay design to the way it works, which means that you do get to appreciate the things that made Ready 2 what they were and why it was good, but in a mm-hmm. way that is palatable by today's standards like there are some games like it's well known that final fantasy 7 is one of my favorite games of all time and i can play final fantasy 7 and it doesn't feel aged because mm-hmm. the way that my mindset is like you've created a point in time and i think especially like, if you replay it like i do like every so many years like it stays which is the same for me like monkey island will never feel like it's aged even though yeah. actually the puzzles in monkey island are fucking dreadful because it was that era of um lucas arts development where they were just like we'll just hide a pixel in this scene and that's what you've got to click and mm. so that's where you get the whole idea where you'd scan from left to right with every item in your inventory using it on every fucking pixel on the screen to hope that the two would combine <laughs> and like that's that's straight up bad gameplay design but the thing is is monkey island's charm is in the world that you explore and in the characters and in the writing. So that's why it doesn't feel like it's aged. And that um, I think pixel art having a resurgence because of the indie boom, like obviously 10 years ago or whatever now, has helped pixel art doesn't feel as old anymore because it, it's yeah. new as well. But kind of like you go back to a first-person shooter from, like you say, like the SNES era, the, the, the early kind of PS1 era, I find them unplayable, partially because like half of them aren't even designed to be played with analog sticks. But... I'm not into old school FPS. Like arcade FPS is never really interest me. Mm-hmm. Played like Half Life One recently, which was admittedly yes the remake, but the remake of Half Life One is done in the Half Life Two engine, which means it's already sort of ancient anyway. But that held up because the design of Black Mesa and what it, what that game asked you to do was really good. But playing Half Life One now would still look incredibly boxy and dull. Um, yeah. Apples and oranges to a point, isn't it? Depending on what game you're using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I know. I I'm. I get nostalgic about lots of things, but yeah, I don't. I don't get too nostalgic about games. It's weird. I do with definitely with film and TV. I do a lot. Like, there's some films I'll just put on like all the time. But yeah, I don't go back to that era of games a lot. I just like new games because I feel like they are just getting better and yeah. better. Like all my like probably three to five my favorite games came out probably in the last like few years so there we go uh oh it's me again the emails there we go uh (laughs) got one here from chris walker who says hello i'm a school nurse and currently doing a postgrad i'm reflecting on the lack of resources available to health professionals to help kids with video game addiction video game addiction is now an official mental health condition officially recognized and diagnosable As the pandemic settles, it's evident a lot of kids have sought video games as escapism. I love video games. I spent my childhood, adolescence and adulthood smashing in Super Mario World, Galaxy, Skyrim, Fallout, Dishonored, etc. and do not want video games to become stigmatised. I'd love to know your views on video game addiction. Is it a thing in the industry? Does the industry do anything to mitigate the harmful effects of its own products? Any form of self-regulation? Do you know of any unethical practices? In brackets, microtransactions. My goal is to create a pathway that helps nurses to help kids have a healthy relationship with video games and their own in, uh, and their other interests. Thought you might be interested. It's an interesting angle. We never really talk about this part of it. 
Um, uh, I've always been quite sceptical of the idea of video game addiction in and of itself. Um, yeah. In the same way that, like... I know it's you not quite... to film? That's it. I'm not, it's not quite the same, but, like, yeah. You can't be addicted to, like, playing football. No one would ever be like, this guy's got an addiction to the game mm-hmm. he likes playing. And I know it is... Yeah. I know inherently it is healthier to go out and play football every day than to play video games every day that makes sense um i think it's maybe because there's no apart from well speak definitely playing games helps my mental health but some people would say it offers no tangible health benefits whereas i argue it does Mm. but i I think like you said like as a whole gaming as an addiction i'm not sure i buy into but there are definitely elements of it I can like I've been playing a lot of FIFA and for the first time in years a lot of FIFA Ultimate Team this year mm. and I can definitely see where the issues lie in becoming addicted to that mode well, and so becoming this this is the point yeah. it's like do you know of any unethical practices microtransactions FIFA's a great example of this that's not that's not yeah. playing on addiction to video games that is playing on an addiction to gambling and and also like uh I I think there's um there's a predatory aspect to fake self-improvement in games mm-hmm. um i think genshin impact is a good example of this although actually not hugely egregious in how it does it but it's a it's a high profile example of the idea yeah. that you would go into a game and be told that there are ways to do better at that game by paying that is a gambling addiction or gambling related addiction yeah. aspect it's similar with fifa it's not just the gambling side and like the pack the ultimate team like card packs that are the problem i think it's also the amount of time like to feel like you need to keep up with that game you need to basically log in every day at 6 p.m when they do their updates see Mm. what's new to either like play the game for two hours to earn a card that everyone else will have if you want to stay at that level or if you play the weekend league which is like the tournament every from friday to sunday night like you play those games and you play 30 is you can play a maximum of 30 matches and depending on how many of those 30 matches you win you get more rewards Hmm. um the next week and those are the best rewards you can get in the game just by playing basically you can get good cards in those packs but it basically means if you want to keep up you're kind of expected to play like 14 wins is where i'd say you get start getting great rewards so that's at least 14 to 30 games of fifa from friday to sunday you'll play say they take 15 minutes each that's like that's a lot of time that is like almost half that is a good chunk of your weekend taken up hmm. just by playing FIFA if you feel the need to keep up, it's, which it, I feel like a lot of people do. <laughs> it's it's massively multiplayer peer pressure. Like it's yeah. it's the feeling of I won't be good enough if I don't do this stuff, I, and that isn't. I, f- I feel like I'm coming across as defensive, which I'm not meaning to be, but that's that's not video game addiction. That's not the medium doing that mm-hmm. to you. That's that's bad, potentially predatory. Yeah. like mechanical practices which I is a different like, yeah, thing it's, the things that, it's not the game itself that you can become addicted to like it's not a substance yeah, it, it doesn't that, have it, like if exactly. we're talking about substance abuse there are things in drugs that you that you can become dependent on right well i think it's it's about the outside factors right and normally i'd imagine like i, I am absolutely no expert on this but from my understanding of people that become like compulsively playing video games they have other factors in their lives that have brought them into this point and it's a case of mm-hmm. i think with so much addiction therapy we have to address the fact that these people may be desperately unhappy and it becomes like a psychology mm-hmm. element and it's you know it's about making sure these people are 
fit and mentally yeah. healthy. Otherwise, they maybe would have a more balanced lifestyle. Exactly. And there are, like, especially during a pandemic, you can't really do a lot of that. There are a mm-hmm. lot of benefits to, like, in quotation marks, being addicted to a game. Like, I playing near 200 hours of Avengers, some people would say is not healthy. But at the same time, I'm not playing Avengers alone. I'm playing it with people chatting and getting a lot of positives from that. So, like, I've never... I suppose it's a weird thing, so I've never felt addicted, like... Would you kick I've off if I forced you? If like if I took your PlayStation off you and locked it in a cupboard, would you kick well, off? I wouldn't have to do my job. Um, I mean, uh, you would be able to do your job because your job is to edit videos, mate. I'd be, I'd be. <laughs> I'm about to play games. Um, well, I, I wouldn't kick off, but I'd be, I'd be annoyed because it's something I enjoy doing. But like, like if you're addicted I'd, to I could it, go it's a, a compulsion, right? If you took my PlayStation away for a week, I could still enjoy myself for a mm-hmm. week. Yeah, yeah. I could, is this I an intervention? Be... Are we doing an intervention? <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Like, I could still, yeah, I could still entertain myself because I have other interests. I suppose that's like I have a lot of other interests. If you don't, if you do only have one or two things you're into, then maybe it's more of an issue. I don't know. But there we go. Would you kick off if I took your PC, Matt? Probably not. Got a lot of Warhammer to paint. It probably be quite good for my backlog. <laughs> I'll take, I'll take, I'll take that away then. Uh, <laughs> I'll take everything away from you. If I put you in prison, would you be unhappy? Um, oh, yes, because I'd be in prison. I'd be a felon. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I win. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't really... Yeah, it's a weird one, video game addiction, like we said. I think it's you can be addicted to things within it, but the actual act of playing video games itself in general, I'm I'm not 100% sure on. But mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, one more piece of feedback. Yeah, we've got uh, this in from Cole Cohen, who says, Hello, podcast. On the dual subjects of eggs and weird food, yes. your recent podcasts have reminded me of a drink that my mum used to make, which I am sure was from a Nigella Lawson program. Oh, now I think... we'll get into the real crux of the feedback. <laughs> I think she touted it as a hangover cure. The drink was a refreshing blended ice lemon, a lemon ice drink with a recipe thus. Put two whole lemons, uncut... Peel and pith included into a blender. Oh, Add ice to the blender. Add two whole eggs, by which I mean two whole raw eggs in their shells. What? Blends <laughs> until smooth-ish. I remember my mum making this for us both to drink on several occasions, but I can't find any record of the recipe online. <laughs> Keep it up, and for the love of God... Respect the sea, Cole. Eggy Respect lemon. your insides, because they must be made of fucking iron. Eggy lemon drink. This can't be... Do you... What point... Is this the point where we finally realise people are just sending us these things in hope that we'll try them and throw up? I don't... I like... Honestly, gotta be all of up. that without the shells, I think, could be <laughs> fine. Even the peel? What, just... What, just ice, lemon and egg? Well, I mean, that's not far from a whiskey sour. It's just not got the whiskey in it. But the peel... Like, because that's going to be blended into the... I've it's had, not like it has uh, been peeled and then added as garnish. But I've like, had this... lemon zest, maybe not in a drink, but I've had, like, I'm lemon zest in sour cream or something like that, and you'll get little, nice, chewy little bits. They're all right. Yeah, but that's that's just shaved into the cream. That's not, yeah, like, an entire yeah, yeah. skin. And normally, isn't that just, like, an egg white as well? It like? is it just be, an egg yeah. white, to be fair. It's mm-hmm. not a yolk. Uh, I don't know. Just I mean, obviously, together. it's stupid and bad. <laughs> just me. No, it's just me. I've seen here from 2016 on YouTube, Raw Egg and Lemon Juice Challenge. What is this? Oh, that's a challenge, though. 
uh, it's not Nigella yeah. on there being like cinnamon <laughs> like it's not fucking <laughs> I'm concerned about as to what consistency the blender can break down the shells too because it yeah. would depend on how long the blender was pulsed for I also what, like, benefit, what benefit you get from the shell just crack the egg and put it like what <laughs> I do I think there's something very nice about the idea that uh, Cole and his mum were both hug over and she's like I've got just the thing like that's <laughs> that's bonding that's real go bonding go get me some eggs yeah. I'll get the lemons <laughs> oh that is just no not for me uh, but as usual we appreciate the Mad food. Uh, there you go. Uh, as if you want to send more of those in, uh, don't make them up though. Like Cole obviously <laughs> has there. Um, do that to ign underscore uk feedback at ign dot com. Uh, God, God, use it for you. God, just God. Um, it takes two music. They use it takes two. The song in the trailer. Oh yeah, they've even got uh, Doctor Hakim singing it in one bit. I think so. In the, in the trailer, so we could use that. That seemed like ages ago we were talking about that. How long? Oh, it has been a long podcast, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, well, Sorry. Well, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, it's nothing else to do at the moment, is there? So I hope you enjoyed the Pope more stuff. To listen to. Yeah. We're going to do that uh, every week. The Endless Search is over. We're doing Popes every week from now on. <laughs> the new Pope cast. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Bye. Sweet dreams. See ya. Yeah. What are you doing? You're not feeling it? No. Okay. You're entitled to your own opinion. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.